What's up, guys? Welcome to another Renewed Church Leaders podcast. This is Dave. And this is Jason. And you're going to be listening to Dave Clayton from Ethos Church here in Nashville. This is taken from the Renew Gathering that we had last year. Dave Clayton kind of closed everything out. It's a super powerful message, and I just I can't wait to dig into this. And like you said, Dave closed out the gathering. And in case you weren't there, we framed the gathering up last year under the seven renew values. What I mean by that is every couple of speakers we had throughout the day would take a topic under one of our seven values. And if you don't know what those are, the seven renew values, the first one is responding to God's Holy Spirit. The second is following God's reliable word. The third is surrendering to Jesus as king. The fourth is championing disciple making. The fifth is loving like Jesus. The sixth is living in holiness. And the seventh one, the one that we uh, put Dave Clayton under is leading courageously. And he talks about catalytic leadership. Mm -hmm. And the reason I thought it was important to bring those up is, um, you know, as we listen to it again, just now, I just, you know, first, I just hope that uh, I get to be around Dave Clayton a long time. He's a young man who God is using in powerful ways to bring us these golden nuggets of wisdom from God. I think he he, like we we kept pausing the recording and saying, "Oh, we got to we got to write that one down." Oh, there's another one. We got to write that one I down. Got about fifty quotes, so <laughs> just great quotes. Yeah. And um and so I really appreciate that about him. But he inspired me to think about how he was touching on all of these seven values, not because they're special to renew, but because uh, they really were a mindful approach from our founders to um, to understand how can we in seven values kind of uh, encompass. Um, the best of Jesus's teachings that fuel discipleship. And Dave did a good job of unpacking them. One of the things that I want to do and was inspired to do as I listened is I think we should just kick this podcast off with a prayer um, and really invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. So let me do that now. Uh, Kai Father, uh, we just want to acknowledge your sovereignty in all things. We want to come as those that are confessed of our sins and pure of heart, um, we just want to give you thanks for all that you do for us every day. And as part of a, a plea for intercession, I just want to ask a special blessing on the listeners. Anybody who this podcast is reaching, God, I just I pray that you would touch them. I pray that something that Dave says in his message uh, would, uh, would strike a chord with them and inspire them uh, to be a better leader uh, for you and your kingdom. And if they don't know you, that maybe they would become more interested in seeking you and understanding what this third person, this Holy Spirit that lives inside those that you've called to be your own, um, what that means, what that could do in their life. Um, and God, I just pray all of these things in the power of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. And so with that, let's listen to what Dave Clayton has to say about catalytic leadership. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 16 is where we're going to be for the next few moments today. You know, we've talked about so many different things, and I'm convinced in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in, one of the things that we need so desperately uh, is for the Lord to raise up some catalytic leaders, uh, for God to raise up men and women that have the ability to follow Jesus and to create a beautiful counterculture for the sake of the people around us who don't yet know uh, the Lord. And so for the next few moments, I, I want to talk about the one non-negotiable relationship that I believe every catalytic leader has to develop. The one non-negotiable relationship every catalytic 
catalytic leader has to develop if they want to be what I believe is a risk-taking, faith-filled, disciple-making follower of Jesus. And so, you know, I think back to almost 14 years ago, it was uh, April 28, uh, April 28th, 2005, the night before I got married. And uh, my wife and I, we were downtown in the chapel where we we're going to get married on Scarab Bennett's campus. If you've ever been there, there's, there's this old stone chapel that we got married in. And we're there with all of our friends that had flown in from all over the country. They're decorating. You know, we're there with the guy that's going to do our wedding and we're walking through the ceremony. We're there with all of our friends, the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, going through all that stuff. And we finish up the rehearsal dinner. And then comes my favorite part of the wedding weekend. Or we finish up the rehearsal. And then comes my favorite part of the wedding weekend, which is the rehearsal dinner. And so, you know, you go and you eat a good meal and you tell a bunch of fun stories and you make fun of each other all for the glory of God. And that's just kind of the tradition here in the South. And so, you know, we finished the rehearsal. I put all the stuff in my car. I get my friends. I'm headed down 19th Avenue South towards the rehearsal dinner and my phone rings. And I'll never forget this moment. Pull out my phone and on my phone is my soon-to-be wife's name on the caller ID. And uh, she was calling me because she was not in my car and she was not in my car because I had left her at the chapel and I had left her at the chapel because I'm an idiot. And so... You know, you do things in moments of panic that you don't know what to do. So I tell my friend, stop the car, I get out of the car. I start running back to the chapel because I think maybe I can get back on the grounds of the chapel before she realizes I've been gone. I can't do it. I get back, I answer the phone, I'm out of breath. She says, why are you out of breath? I said, because I've been running down 19th Avenue South. Why have you been running down 19th Avenue South? Because I forgot you. Why did you forget me? Because I'm an idiot. And that is how our marriage began. And I don't, I don't know how your marriage began, but I remember riding in the car to the rehearsal dinner, this time with her, and we're in this moment of intense fellowship, or some would call it a fight. And she's asking me all the hard questions, but I'll never forget, she looks at me, she says, she says, Dave, what would have happened if you would have gotten to the party and you would have realized that me, the guest of honor, isn't there? Like, what, what would you have done? And, and I've thought about that so many times over the last 14 years. Because I believe we're seeing something happen in the church, you know, because over the last decade or so, the church has gotten so good at throwing the party. We figured out, man, if you get the right venue and the right speaker and the right band and the right ministry programs, if you get all of the right processes and pathways, if you get everything in place, the people will show up. But we don't always stop to ask the question, is the guest of honor actually here? And I believe we're watching something unfold right now in our cultural moment where all of a sudden God is waking up catalytic leaders and they go, man, we've left somebody back at the chapel and the people are beginning to run back. Go, man, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this unless we're doing this in conjunction with the one who is leading this thing in the first place. And this is the friendship that I think that we've got to develop. I believe God is beckoning us back into a deeper friendship with the Holy Spirit, the very one who conceived Jesus, filled Jesus, empowered Jesus, and led Jesus to do everything that he called Jesus to do for the sake of the kingdom. You know, one of my favorite moments uh, in the scripture starts in John chapter 13 where Jesus and his disciples, they're eating this Passover meal in a rented out room. You know, they're in this moment, it's this beautiful euphoric moment. You've all taught on this, you could probably teach on it better than I can. They're there in the middle of the Passover moment and Jesus stands up and he dings that metaphorical wine glass or grape juice glass or whatever it is according to tradition. He dings the glass and says, shh, get quiet. He says, I've got some bad news for you. He says, in just a little while, you're not going to see me any longer. And I don't know what the, the reaction would have been in the room, like what it would have felt like, but we know what it says in Scripture. They're like, Jesus, 
Man, we, we have left everything to be with you. We left jobs, we left family, we left friends, we've, we've left our future, we've left it all, and now you're telling us that you're gonna be gone, like you're leaving? And they leave that little upper room and they go on this 45-minute journey to the Garden of Gethsemane, that moonlit path. They're walking amongst the olive trees. And Jesus turns around and it's in that moment that he begins to talk to them about the one relationship that they were gonna need to develop if they were gonna be catalytic leaders in the cultures that he was sending them into. It's on this journey that he starts talking to them. He says, hey, listen. He says, I'm not leaving you alone. He says, I'm sending you a friend. I'm sending you a helper. He's gonna teach you. He's gonna guide you. He's gonna correct you. He's gonna rebuke you. He's gonna, reprune, he's gonna prune you. He's gonna give you peace. He's gonna give you joy. He's gonna give you life. He's gonna be inside of you forever. And he gets to the end of this conversation, John chapter 16. I just want you to notice two things, so many things that we could point out. But he makes these two audacious statements, and these are promises for us as well. You see this first one in verse seven. Listen to verse seven. Jesus says, he says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good, for your benefit that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the spirit will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. I love this. Jesus, at the end of this long conversation, he looks out at these guys who are heartbroken. He says, here's the deal. He says, I'm sending you a friend and it's actually going to be better for you. Now, I don't know if this is sacrilegious, but can we all just admit that none of us believe that? <laughs> like, none of us believe that. Like, like, none of us, like, believe that having the Spirit of God in us is better than having Jesus physically with us. But Jesus looks at the disciples and says, here's the deal. He says, this relationship between us, even though they're not going to see me the same way, it's about to get better. And the reason it's going to get better is because I'm sending you a friend, and that friend is going to be inside of you forever. Jesus makes the argument that the indwelling spirit is more beneficial to the path of countercultural disciple making than the external Christ is. That the indwelling spirit is more beneficial than the external Christ. So we go, how could that be possible? I go, because we know that when Jesus was there physically, among the disciples, Peter was still a sin-soaked coward. That the external presence of Jesus at that campfire was not enough to get Peter to stand strong in the moment. He still denied Jesus, looking him in the eye. But what happened after the external Jesus left and the internal spirit descended? Man, that sin-soaked coward became a redeemed, courageous man of God. Unbelievable. And the path, the path of scripture proves this to be true. Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm gonna send you into a culture that needs catalytic leadership. If you're gonna be a catalytic leader, you're gonna need this non-negotiable friendship uh, with the Holy Spirit and it's gonna be better for you. But he doesn't stop there. He says, number two, jump down to verse 12. Verse 12, he says, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what is to be made known to you and all that belongs to the father's mind. That's why I've said to the spirit or receive from me and he'll make it known to you. Listen to this. This is what Jesus says. He says, not only will this friendship be better for you. He says, this friendship will be ongoing. Did you catch that? Jesus says, there's so much more I want to tell you. He says, we ran out of time in our discipleship class. He said, I got so much more I want to tell you. He says, but good news, I'm sending you a friend, and the friend is going to continue to reveal the hidden things of God to you. And this is really important for us to understand. Do you realize that, that when Jesus 
was getting ready to return to the Father, when he was getting ready to send his disciples out into this culture that needed catalytic leaders, Jesus did not send them out with a program, a process, a pathway, or principles. He sent them out with a friend. He sent them out with a person. And it wasn't just any person. It was the third person of the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of them forever. Jesus never looked at the disciples and said, hey guys, here's the game plan. I'm gonna die on the cross, I'm gonna raise for the dead, and for the next 2,000 years, get people in a room on Sundays and tell them the stories of what life used to be like when God was around. That was never the commission. But apparently that's, that's the playbook almost all of us are following. Jesus says, no, here's the deal. I'm sending you out as catalytic leaders into a culture that needs the transforming touch of Jesus. And I'm not sending you with a program, a pathway, a process, or principles. I'm sending you with a friend. It's the third person in the Trinity. And the one who conceived me and led me and is teaching me and is guiding me and is empowering me is now in you. Have fun. That's the message version. (laughs) It says, have fun. It's gonna be amazing. And the disciples began to go out. And I go, man, this is the friend every one of us needs as we find ourselves embarking into the cultural moment we find ourselves in. The Holy Spirit of God is the friend that every catalytic leader needs. And it's only when we become friends with him we discover we were never the catalytic leaders in the first place. He's the catalytic leader and we were the tagalongs. You know, it was the Holy Spirit who in high school convicted me of my sinful nature, even though I grew up as a pastor's kid, he showed me my self-righteousness and it was the Holy Spirit that brought me into friendship with Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit in college who coached me through the suffering of my mom as she battled cancer. It was the Holy Spirit who took the raw material of my life and he walked me through all sorts of different circumstances to mature me and is still maturing me into hopefully what will one day become a useful man of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's a friend to be cherished, to be known, to be loved, to be listened to, to be followed. Why? Because King Jesus says, this is the one you need. You don't need something to get through this culture. You need someone. And the good news is Jesus has sent him. It's the Holy Spirit who early in my 20s said, hey, you don't need that lucrative ministry job. I want you to go plant a disciple-making campus ministry. It was the Holy Spirit who, in my mid-20s, said, hey, have you ever thought about planting churches? It was the Holy Spirit who, in my late 20s, said, hey, I want you to see the harvest fields that are all around you that nobody else seems to notice. None of these were good ideas. These things aren't picked up at conferences. They're not just found in books. It's the leadership of God himself who dwells inside of us. His friendship with the Holy Spirit in my early 30s where he began to say, hey, Dave, there's much more than just ministry impact. There's spiritual intimacy. And intimacy is always the root. Then impact will become the fruit. He took me into these places of prayer and fasting. It was the Holy Spirit that invited our family to say, hey, hand over the ministry of a thriving church for a season and follow me into some of these different places all around the world. And I want you to see what's happening in the kingdom of God because America is not the center of God's story. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps illuminating our eyes to the brokenness of the city that I find myself ministering in right here in Nashville, Tennessee, where more than 800,000 people have no meaningful connection with Jesus. And he keeps asking me, Dave, do you want your Sunday services to be 
filled or do you want to see a city transformed? If you want to see the city transformed, then it's got to be done differently. See, this is what I love. I look back on life and I think about every turn and every adventure and every decision. And what I see and what I remember is not a moment of strategy or courage or boldness or risk or intelligence. What I see at every moment is I see, I see Jesus coming through on what Jesus said he would come through on. And that is that he would send us a friend to help us. And the culture around us that is rapidly shifting, in case you haven't noticed, doesn't need just a great plan or a great process or a great pathway or some great principles. What the culture around us needs is a group of people that have been set on fire by the glory of God because they're walking in step with the third person in the Trinity who is their friend. And I believe that when this happens in the context of godly community according to the weight and the freight of God's word. Man, God does amazing things. And I believe what's on the table for all of us, it's not just new strategies, but deep intimacy with the one that wants to lead us in ways that we can never imagine. So the last couple of minutes, I just want to give you just a couple of things that will maybe help you get a handle on, okay, well, man, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit of God living within you. So how do you begin to cultivate a friendship with that spirit that can lead you into the culture-defining kind of moments you need to find yourself in. So just a couple of things, and I don't have time to teach them, but I'll share them, and maybe you can explore these on your own. The first is this. I believe that if you want to cultivate a deep friendship with the Spirit of God, it starts with a deep commitment to solitude. That Jesus, the Son of God, filled by the Spirit of God, sent on mission with God to establish the kingdom of God, knew that he needed to get away routinely in order to hear the voice of God. I go, if Jesus Christ needed to escape the noise to hear the voice, is it possible that we do as well? In a 21st century where we are constantly distracted, this idea that we can be continuously engaged with the world and constantly connected to God, it is a lie from the pit of hell which will rob your ministries of lasting fruit. It starts in the places of solitude. Daily solitude, weekly solitude, seasonal solitude, yearly solitude. If you want to talk about that, I'd love to talk about that sometime later. It starts with a commitment to solitude. Number two, I believe it's found in the context of white-hot spiritual community. White-hot spiritual community. I don't know about you, but I want to run with those that are walking on water. <laughs> those are the kind of people that I, I want to run with. And I go, you as leaders, you need that kind of community around you. My boys right now, they're in, I've got three boys, and they're in uh, something that's kind of like Boy Scouts. They're learning how to make fires right now. And one of the things that they had to learn when making a fire is how you stop a fire. And one of the first things we taught them is if you want to stop a fire, one of the first things you do is you separate the logs that are touching. Because when hot logs that are touching are separated, they immediately begin to cool. Man, when, when you're running in spiritual community, people that are chasing the ways of God, man, it's amazing how you begin to hear the Spirit's voice. It's a deep commitment to solitude. It is a deep commitment to white-hot spiritual community. Number three, it is a deep commitment to radical missional obedience. Radical missional obedience. I believe, I believe that, that God is looking for men and women that are quick to obey long before we understand what he's calling us to obey. If we only obey the Lord when we understand what he has called us to obey, that is the lowest form of obedience. 
Like I've got kids and so sometimes I'll ask them to do something and they'll argue with me, why, 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 why? And then eventually they do it and I'm glad they did it eventually. That's better than not doing it all, but it's the lowest form of obedience. The thing that brings me pleasure is when I, when I say, hey, will you do this? And immediately without understanding, they do it. And I go, man, you wanna develop a deep friendship with the Holy Spirit of God? Oh my goodness. Start responding in obedience to the things that he's revealing to you quickly and immediately. It's a commitment to solitude. It's a commitment to white hot spiritual community. It is a commitment to radical missional obedience. And last but not least, it is a commitment to continuously find yourself identified and rooted in the reality of God's word. I believe that something powerful happens when God's people and God's spirit come together in the context of God's word. And we begin to understand that what Jesus said of you is true. That he has sent one third of heaven's resources to take, habita- to take up habitation in your body. And I go, if that is true, which I believe it is, just put on my card to the deck, if that is true, we have nothing to fear about the future. If, if Jesus is telling the truth, we have nothing to fear. And so I believe when there's this radical commitment to open up the word day in and day out in the context of God's community, in the context of God's spirit and say, hey God, would you, would you help these things to take root in my heart? I believe we begin to build friendship that changes the culture. See, I believe cultures like ours need catalytic leaders and if we wanna be a catalytic leader, then we need to develop the relationship that Jesus put on the table right before he left. And it's the spirit of God. And so I just want to pray a prayer blessing over you as we finish up. Father, God, thank you for these leaders. Thank you for the churches that they represent. And in the name of Jesus, I would ask that you would give their minds and their hearts the ability to grasp the reality and the truth and the bigness and the significance of what you yourself, Jesus, promised. Uh, You would give us in abundance not just a something, but a someone. And Lord, would you teach us to know him deeply, not just for our joy and your good, but for the sake of those around us. This is the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. That was Dave Clayton from the Renew Gathering of last year. And man, he just... I feel like Dave Clayton always just takes his messages in places that I don't expect him to. Like catalytic leadership, I think he's just going to talk about pastors. And instead he talks about God's catalytic leadership and the way that he foresaw that we needed something more than just the process or the procedures. Like he knew we needed a friend. And that's just like, that just kind of goes so much along with um, the backwardness and the upside downness of God's kingdom. You know, it's just, it was beautiful. What did you think? Yeah, he he said it at the beginning, which is uh, immediately convicting. But he's like, "Here's what Jesus said. Here's the argument Jesus made that nobody believes, which is, and the, and he's and the apostles probably didn't believe it at the time. But he says, "I'm leaving now, and by the way, I've got somebody coming who's going to live inside you, that's going to be more effective and better for you than my physical presence here on earth." And like so many times. You know, we feel the groanings of this world. You hear people talk about how we're not made for this world. We're made for a world beyond, uh, a new heaven, a new earth. And one day we're going to be there. And, th- and that's correct. But they say, Jesus, come now. Jesus, come back. Jesus, we want to be with you again. And that's correct too. 
but we're, I think we're discounting when we do that, the fact that we have the person of the Holy Spirit with us here today, right now. Mm-hmm. And we can acknowledge and respond to the power of the Holy Spirit in this world today, even as bad as it seems sometimes. Yeah. Basically, Jesus said, I'm leaving and this is the best thing for you. Bye. Yeah. He said, <laughs> he said, I'm sending something better than me. I mean, what it's is like, that? Like two of you. Unbelievable. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, so I don't know if we want to go this direction or not, but I'll just share it and we'll see. <laughs> like that brunch. And speaking of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> uh, if we're talking funny moments, that is a really funny moment in the Bible, is um, right when Jesus ascends into heaven. And you can almost picture like a Monty Python scene. <laughs> where they're all staring up at the sky and all of a sudden they just hear this voice standing next to them. Men of Galilee! <laughs> you not see that? <laughs> I've always read that part of scripture like a Monty Python story. Okay. Now, what I was going to say is, uh, to bring it on a real level, is I really appreciated him saying that um, none of us would have believed that. And some of us don't even really live like that is the best thing. Like for me, I grew up really conservative and there was kind of this um, unspoken fear of the Holy Spirit. It was kind of like, you know, you know, Holy Spirit, come fill this place. But our, our arms were stretched out, like trying to hold him away. Like, come here, come closer, but don't come that close. I don't really want that much of you, but I want some of you. Yeah. You I, know? Gr- I grew up in a, in a tradition where they didn't talk about the Holy Spirit at all. In fact, you almost grew up with this idea that people who engage with the Holy Spirit, like, oh, that automatically ushers in snake handling and yeah. drinking poison. And like there were, there was a church down like the street. I'm sure everybody has a, there's a church down the street <laughs> filled with the crazies <laughs> down right. there, you know? And we didn't want that in our church because we wanted whatever. And it actually took me, I had a, I read a book probably like five years ago that really kind of convicted me of that and was like, no, no, Jesus said, this is the best thing for for us. And when I look back on my life, I have to agree with that. All the things about my relationship with God or the best parts of my um, journey with Him where He like rescued me and saved me and, and led me back and all these things, those were the Holy Spirit. I just wasn't calling it that, you know? And so when I look at it that way through that lens, I'm like, it really is the best thing for me. Isn't that interesting that you can say, wow, look at where I am, and it's because of the Holy Spirit, and I didn't get it at the time, but I look back and you're like, it was all over the place. I see the signs of the power of the Holy Spirit calling me, wooing me, bringing me to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the time, you're like, you're just thinking like, this is just what's going on right now. But it's exactly. like, it's it's God preparing you for something better. And, and it kind of reminds me how he talked, one of his three points there at the end, it's like, here's three ways that I know can can help you acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And one of those is radical missional obedience. That was the last one that he picked up on. And uh, I just thought about that because it's just like the story you were saying. It's like you look back and you're like, oh, now that I understand what was happening, I can see the Holy Spirit. What if we said we're acknowledging the Holy Spirit is here even in ways we don't understand and we're just going to be radically obedient to whatever we think God's calling us to because we may not understand the ways of the Holy Spirit, but we believe in Him because we've seen Him in the past, and we know now that we don't have to fully understand Him to be obedient. Right. Actually, looking back and seeing those instances where I'm like, that was obviously the Holy Spirit living in me that made me do these things, or made me choose that road in my life that was much harder 
than this other road that would have been way easier, but it ended up being way better. It, that actually gives me more uh, faith and trust to where the next time that comes up, where it's like, okay, here's the fork in the road. Obviously, God wants me to go down that one, but this one looks just looks way easier. Now I'm more prone to just choose that road without knowing, you know, like to make these decisions kind of just so, like obedient faith and try, like a little bit blind in that where I'm like, I don't know what the next step is that God's calling me to do, but I know this step right here is very scary. And if I look back in my entire life, I can see all those little steps that I made where the Holy Spirit told me to do that. They all were way better for me and not like in a, and now I'm rich. Yeah. Like it's like a way better for me as like my character and like my relationships, my communication, all that kind of stuff. One of those things for me brings us back to the first uh, point that he said would help you access Holy Spirit power, and that is a commitment to solitude. Like, uh, like I don't hang out with Dave Clayton a lot, but I've had a chance to be around him a little bit with how he partners with Renew, and uh, he's the second uh, guy that I've listened to and really enjoyed hearing God speak through lately who has said solitude and this kind of like this way of getting away on a regular rhythm. Um, I think Dave says daily, weekly, you know, seasonally, yearly, um, that solitude can help you uh, with, with getting in, in more of a connection with the Holy spirit. And that's just something I'm not, I'm not naturally wired to want to do that. When I think about, okay, I'm going to, going to go away by myself and just kind of engage in some spiritually formative time. I, I, to me, that if I'm being honest, it sounds boring. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with all that time? It's like, well, let me start praying. And then five minutes later, I'm like, okay, well, that's done. <laughs> done with praying, now what? <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, uh, I, I think uh, part of his point is you need to get away from the distraction of the world. And, um, and I mean, you can see... Uh, I, I make fun of the fact of getting away and, and doing it on your own is one thing, but even in small pragmatic ways, like like one of the rhythms that I've gotten in lately is when I'm done in the office, um, I work very close to home and I like to leave my phone in the office and then I go have dinner with my family and spend the evening with my family and my phone stays in the office that whole time. And uh, I got to tell you, man, you can see a difference. Every now and then you're like, oh, I wanted to look something up and it's, you know, it's over there. But, um, but you know, the benefit of conversation at dinner without a phone there to distract you of bedtime without a phone there to distract you. Mm -hmm. All right, kids go get ready for bed. I'm going to get lost in an Apple news feed of stuff that I really don't care. But for some reason I keep going to the next story and the next story and the next story. Trump did what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the quotes that Dave said that really stuck out about this was, I hope I'm saying this right. The idea of constantly being connected to the world and also consistently engaged with God is a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah, whoa. Yeah, honestly, his whole take on solitude being number one was shocking. Like, I'm opposite of you. I'm actually wired for solitude. Like, I'm a um, I'm an ex extroverted introvert. Like, I love to be around people, but I need to go be by myself and recharge. Yeah. But my kids don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. You know, even I, I can be outside and I can still see the face of a kid pressed up against the window just going... You okay, Daddy? Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but I am wired for that, but I don't prioritize that. And th just that statement alone was really kind of telling. So the second point, I think we've covered three and one. The second point that he went over, and this is a, actually maybe a good point to close on, 
is white hot spiritual community. And the reason I say it's a, it's a good one to close on is uh, <clears throat> that's, that's really a lot of the vision and mission we have at Renew is to be a network of those who uh, want to renew good biblical theology that want to be in white hot spiritual community with each other, regardless of their uh, tradition, regardless of their, um, their stripe, their tribe. We want people who uh, just want to celebrate and promote good theology, the teachings of Jesus, all of scripture to fuel disciple making. And if you're interested in that and you're listening to this podcast and you don't know much about Renew, check out our new website at renew.org. Uh, we have daily content up, up uploading and updating daily on that website. We post it across social media, but on our Facebook, on our, on our Instagram, on Twitter, and definitely the best way to do this and the best way to begin engaging in white hot spiritual community is to join us in person at the Renew Gathering here in the Nashville area. And that's November 6th this year, 2019. Uh, We would love to see you there. Go to renew.org for details. And um, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. 